You're listening to a Drishti Point podcast. I'm Farah Nasrali and I'm here on the phone with Krishna Das. Krishna has been leading Kirtan and practicing the path of Bhakti Yoga for over, I think, close to 40 years. And um, he was recently on tour with his new CD, Kirtan Wala. And we're here on the phone with him today to talk about the practice of Kirtan, Bhakti, and chanting and all the other things that uh, that you do. So, welcome, Krishna. Thank you. Thank you. You can call me KD. <laughs> Thanks. Let's start off by talking about the practice of kirtan and the practice of chanting and mantras. You have such a direct, vast experience in doing it yourself. What impact has it had on your life? Well, uh, it totally changed my life and opened me up in many ways that I had never, couldn't even have imagined uh, happening. So uh, it's made my, my, my life uh, not a bad place to be, actually, where it wasn't always like that. And it's all due to the practice and the, and the blessings of my teachers. And tell us a little bit about um, Maharaji. Maharaji was a, a great saint. Uh, a yogi and a great saint uh, in India. He's a very he was very well known, uh, although he didn't do any publicity or he refused. He let, never let anyone write about him or anything like that. But wherever he went, the whole city would spring up almost immediately. So uh, he was. Huh, boy, how do you talk about him? He was a manifestation of love. And not only that, he, he knew everything about us, uh, everything about our past and probably everything about our future as well. And he was able to open us up in ways that uh, showed us, a, gave us a real deep direction you know, for the rest of our lives uh, to try to find that love that lives within us and live in that and, uh, all the time which is what he was certainly uh, able to do. And is it through the practice of chanting that you're able to connect to that love that you initially felt from his heart and connect with that love uh, inside of you? I think you could say that, yeah. It's definitely, you know, you have to do some kind of practice to calm the mind and uh, unwind and the heart and untie all the knots that we have in our our emotional beings and our, our psychic beings. You know, you have to find a way to, to release all that stuff that we carry around all the time. And chanting is a great way to do that. So it's definitely helped me so much over the years. And what is it, what is your experience chanting in Sanskrit as versus singing in English, are they the same, or do you feel Sanskrit to be a, a a different experience when you chant in Sanskrit? Well, I see a mantra is just our sounds. A mantra is a, a sound that may or may not have a conceptual meaning to it, uh, but the sound itself has a, an effect on your 
upon your being and it helps you enter into deeper states of, of, of awareness um, when you sing in English you're singing a lot of concepts a lot of ideas a lot of words that have meaning to you and so they can help you concentrate but they can't unlock the deeper places within you. That can only be done through, uh, through a, a spiritual practice of meditation or chanting or, or some kind of service that you do in the right spirit. Um, so, you know, like even in, in, in Christianity, there's, there's, there's a lot of these songs about Jesus and Jesus met the woman at the well it can bring a lot of emotion and beautiful love to you, but it can't destroy the, uh, the, the negativity that's hidden within us. So the only way we can do that is through, through these spiritual practices. And with mantras, even though you may not know the meaning of the mantra intellectually, when you bring your attention to it, when you concentrate on it and enter into that, the depth of that mantra, it has a deep, a very deep effect on you, uh, and and can help you in many ways that that conceptuality can't, couldn't help you, or intellectual understanding just can't help. It opens up a deeper place in our hearts, and that Sanskrit is supposed to be what they call a revealed language, which means that if you utter these sounds with full concentration, it actually will manifest. The, the, the deepest reality of what that sound or mantra is. But that's, you know, that's what they say anyway. But I just sing and feel good, <laughs> and I don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, though, I mean, you sing Ram so often, mm -hmm. and surely over 20 years, I recently made a calculation because I know there's, there's certain repetitions that it can take to kind of... I don't want to say crack a mantra, but there's certain repetitions, and uh, for a hundred thousand repetitions, it takes about 22 years. Now you've been <laughs> you've been singing for longer than that, so surely you have some yeah. direct experience with the sound. It just Ram. shows you what it shows you what bad shape I'm in. I could do a million <laughs> of them, and it wouldn't even help me. But uh, you know, there's no, there's no, there's it's not really like that, you know. 100,000 is a number, but they only say that it just means you really have to get your shit together and, and practice for a long time to really get the full benefit and the full, uh, enter into the deepest manifestation of that mantra or that name of God. Because what I chant is very simple. It's, they're called the names of God, and they're only good for one thing. That's love. They're not good for any kind of power tripping. They're not, you know, there's mantras for everything. You know, mm -hmm. you can, there's mantras for finding buried treasures. There's mantras for becoming a king. There's mantras for uh, having power over people. There's mantras for stopping trains. There's mantras for everything. But what I've seen is there's only one thing that's good for them, and that's opening the heart and finding, getting a taste of our true being. So, and there's no, there are no, guarantees that if you do it a hundred thousand times something's going to happen you, know, you have to do it the right way you have to do it wholeheartedly you have to, have to write intention 
you have to, and that's something that takes a long time to really, uh, really develop and understand. But the practice of the chanting is a purification practice, and the more you do it, the more your 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 intentions will be purified, the more your your hearts will be opened, and uh, and you'll begin to feel something, just to experience life a different way, without so much fear, without so much longing, without so much uh, anxiety. Mm-hmm. What are the ways that um, you prepare yourself before you lead a kirtan in front of an audience? Are there certain I, I things sleep, that you do? I sleep as much as possible, you know. Mm-hmm. I take as much sleep as I can get, you know, and then I sit up and I sing. I don't prepare myself things, but I warm up my voice a little bit, but my whole life is basically just getting ready to sing, so there's nothing special I have to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, some, I, I don't know what other people do, but I just, you know, I just... And other than... Um chanting are there any other yogic practices that you do on a regular basis yeah i do asana pranayama i do that stuff every day mostly mm-hmm. you know because you know i'm 90 years old now i can hardly get out of bed so i have to be able to move <laughs> so, uh, i try to do that stuff to keep me moving and keep the body in as good shape as i can mm-hmm. uh, and i do different types of meditation at different times and i do Sometimes I do Jepa, which is the repetition of these names, or sometimes I do like a, a concentration meditation to kind of calm my ass down. And uh, this, you know, but basically it all, for me, I, I, all the practices I do, are, they, what they do is they bring me into the presence of love. They bring me into that loving presence again and again. Because that's where I want to live, and that's so. That's why I do all these practices. I don't want to be out of that love. I don't want to be left out in the cold. And I want to be in it as much as I can. That's what this. That's what this chanting does for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was watching the documentary One Track Heart. That that is the mm-hmm. documentary about you. I loved it. It mm-hmm. was very beautiful. Um, and you spoke about how you, every year you go on retreat to Maharaji's ashram. Um, and I just wanted to ask you about, you know, the experience of retreat or unplugging from, Mm -hmm. you know, unplugging for a period of time and the purpose that that serves in our lives. I think it's a great practice to do that. I think it's probably the best gift that a person can give themselves is to unplug for a while and calm down, slow down, let your breath slow down, let your, your, your thoughts quiet down. You know, we, we move so fast, there's, there's so much stress, so much speed, so much going from one thing to another all day long, emails, phone calls, television, movies, running around, dinner parties, just work, there's so much that we do. Really, we, it, it's so helpful to take some time off and, and really chill. It's not necessarily that at first, you know, you kind of go a little crazy because you're used to being so engaged. But after a while, you get a feel for it, and it's just wonderful. It's a great gift to give yourself. 
in the truth time. And do you ever do you ever find that the transition back is difficult? It used to be when I first came back from India, and it was very difficult, and for quite a few years afterwards. But these days, there's really not much difference for me where I am. I mean, some places obviously, if I'm on top of a, a beautiful mountain somewhere for a couple of months, that might, you know, I might slow down a little bit more. But I don't fight. I think the real problem is that people uh, are looking for a particular feeling and that they think might be spiritual. And if they're not getting that particular feeling, they beat themselves up. Uh, at this point in my life, I'm not. I'm not. I think I grew out of that. You know, looking for that label of one particular thing. Uh, I'll deal with whatever comes up the best I can, wherever I am. That's all I can do. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much the same everywhere. You know, um, I've often, I've often felt that there is a that when people come together and sing the divine names, that it actually helps to create more peace and harmony in the world so that there is a direct connection between the practice of um, chanting and the way that we can get out of the, the vast amounts of violence in our world that are happening in many parts of the world. Do you, Have you ever felt that there is a connection in how you understand your practice and the rest of the world and what goes on outside of our own yoga bubbles? Well, I don't know. You know, last summer I sang in Kiev in the Ukraine and look what happened. So, and they almost lost their country and there's still no guarantee that the Russians are going to let them have their country. It's pretty bad over there. Um, I, I think really spiritual change, real real change, is one heart at a time. And I don't think, I think it's hard to gauge what a, a big festival of people chanting, uh, how that helps in any way more than each heart that's there, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to start somewhere, and you basically have to start inside yourself and get the fear, the anger, the shame, and the grief, and the selfishness out of our own hearts. That's where we have to start, and I think you can get very easily distracted in trying to change the world and, and not really changing yourself at all. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think, I mean, I think it's it's better than robbing banks, for sure, you know? But uh, I don't know, I, I never think about those things, you know, I figure that my problem, you know, I'm my problem, you know, and mm-hmm. let me take care of this and do the best I can uh, w- with whatever opportunity arises, you know, and, and I do sing it at places where there are a lot of people chanting, but you know, that brings a whole lot of other stuff, because a lot of people come just trying to get laid, you know because there's going to be a lot of people there. They'll figure, well, we'll chant little and have a party. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to help the whole world. Mm-hmm. So the intention is the most important thing. The intention is the most important thing. And there's no guarantee. You know, 
for instance, look at Tibet, you know. They had a very pure, uh, continual lineage transmission for like a thousand years there, where they really had the, the real teachings and they had real yogis and real saints who were doing great and they had monasteries where there was a lot of practice done and and then the Chinese just came and kicked their shit out of them, you know? So, there's a, we don't know what this world is supposed to look like, you know? I mean, all we can do is try to take the, 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 the bullshit out of our own hearts. One at a time, each one of us. And if everybody in the world did that, well, of course, it'd be quite a place. Mm -hmm. so, so, I'm not into, I'm, I'm, I mean, Although I do sing with thousands of people sometimes, I'm not into creating a, a, a movement, that, you know, for world peace. Uh, uh, that's that's any different than, you know, uh, the peace in my own heart or in the individual hearts that have come to chant. You know. It's not so easy to be peaceful. It's not easy. You don't. Peace doesn't come from the outside. Mm -hmm. can't have peace in the world if people are angry and jealous and vicious and selfish and there's, there's no way peace can be in the world like you. so you do what you do you do the best you can with yourself and you try to try to treat everybody and every situation that comes into your life the best way you can and you, you never know what that's going to mean or what, what that's going to accomplish well you know making that commitment to do the work on yourself have you noticed that it has had an impact in your relationships with your family and the people around you and the people that you're close with sure of course yeah definitely Change, changes everything you know I mean once you take once you begin to take some responsibility for your own uh, bullshit you can no longer hide uh, as a victim of anybody else's actions. I mean, not that we're all not victims uh, of, of the social reality that we grew up in and our parents and their parents and our all the nonsense in our lives. We've all been victimized by that. But once you start to take responsibility for your own heart, then you can't blame anybody else because it's not going to help you uh, get find peace in your own heart so of course once you start blaming people then you see that everybody's suffering just the same mm -hmm. and that even if someone's caused you pain it only came out of their pain their own suffering and so how can you you know at some point you you realize we're all on the same boat and we're just you can't blame people so no matter what your experiences in life have been, you won't find peace until, until we take responsibility for our own actions and for our own thoughts. And and if we're always looking outside to blame, then we'll never find peace. So once you start blaming, you see that, I see that my parents were, they had good hearts, but they were both very damaged. They, they themselves really unable to, to heal the damage that they had uh, that had happened to them in their lives you know and so out of that inability to heal they transmitted a lot of pain to me 
my sister and other people in my family. It's all, you know, so you see how it just goes from generation to generation. And it has to stop, but where can it stop? It stops right here where you are. And if you don't stop it in your own heart, it's not going to stop. And so once you see that really clearly, then you become a lot less, your heart becomes much more available to the people in your life and to everyone in your life, what becomes. And I'm sure the practice of chanting has has um, done that for you in terms of... It's definitely my main practice and it's definitely uh, been the, one of the main things that has helped me stabilize a little bit, you know, in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's not so easy. It's a, it's, it's a whole lifetime of work to really become the person you really want to be and to really have the kind of love that you really know is, is there somehow and uh, you don't get it from outside even a guru can't do it for you they can show you what it might be like but then you have to find it they can show you where it is but you have to find it and that's that's why we do this is like practice, like uh, chanting and meditation and those kind of things. Mm. Um, you know what? What? How? I mean, we can only talk from our own experience, but from your own experience, what has it been like to have met? a saint to have met a guru and to have had that example for you does it does it continue to inspire yep. you to do the work every day you sure yeah. i wouldn't know it was it if it wasn't for my guru i wouldn't know that it existed that it was possible to find it if it wasn't for having that experience um, it's a it's a whole other bargain but that was just the first step for me, you know. And after that, there's still a lot of steps to take that we have to kind of take on our own. Mm-hmm. We live through all our comic nonsense and all the bullshit that we, we, we pull on ourselves and do to ourselves. And the guru can't, the guru's not going to stop that stuff from happening. <laughs> but you might, you might get the strength to overcome it from the fact that you know there really is love in the world. It is possible to find it. And no matter how bad it is right now, if you really believe, if you've had that experience, you know it's true. So you can, no matter how bad it is, you won't give up. Yes, and I always <clears throat> sometimes uh, take happiness in the fact that everyone started somewhere. <laughs> and uh, Everyone's and I, what? Everyone started somewhere. Every guru, every saint yeah. started somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and I can start here right now. So, <clears throat> And you know, we're not starting now either. We didn't come in a clean slate. We came in already with a lot of programs running. Uh, this is not our first, our first round here. 
and uh, we're not at the beginning, we're not at the end, we're in the middle somewhere, you know, and that's okay. <laughs> okay. You know, do you have any, um, any deep aspirations? I mean, you're living your dharma, you've met, you've met, you've had a direct experience with an incarnation of love. I mean, many people <clears throat> don't even ever have that experience, but um, do you have any other deep aspirations Let me just say one thing. People might not have that particular version of the experience, but everybody knows what love is. Everybody. Because everybody's looking for it. The problem is that most of us don't really believe we can find it. And so, especially, we keep looking outside of ourselves and we're always ultimately disappointed because we can never find that outside. So, so, but everybody is looking for it, so everybody knows what it is already. You see, that's, that's, that's the, tr that's the, uh, the secret is that everyone knows. If they didn't know, if people didn't know, they wouldn't be looking for it. But we're all looking for it. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants that love. But we're frustrated by by our own actions, which don't bring us what we hope they will bring us. And so my aspiration would be that everybody should be happy <laughs> all the time. And everybody should find what they're looking for. And everybody should find it and then be there to help somebody else find it. It would be wonderful. Indeed. <clears throat> well, it's been so um, so great to be in conversation with you and and you know have the wisdom pointed in the right direction in terms of that it always starts from the inside and within ourselves. Um, yeah. And also just to have the reminder um, as you speak about your life and um, and the pra what the practice does for you to have that reminder that it's a practice and lifelong one at that and mm. uh, so thank you so much for my pleasure my pleasure for being nice here. talking to you and uh, hope to see you again soon absolutely do you 